Welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and uh, this is Rick Wirtz, founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where the mission is to encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers. Dads prioritize physical presence, are engaged emotionally, and lead spiritually by example. The vision is to engage dads in raising a godly generation. We're continuing discussion around why faithful fathering. Why is faithful fathering important in your life? And why is it such a, an important and, and a powerful movement in churches and society? Uh, that's our discussion. That we're, we're, I always want to point you to our website, faithfulfathering.org, where you can click on Dad Talk to view some of the past blogs that always complement these podcasts. So there are also all kinds of other resources, training materials, and what have you uh, available on the website as well. And uh, we will always uh, keep this as a very practical discussion uh, that I pray blesses you on your journey as a faithful father. In the studio with me is still uh, Mr. Eugene Johnson, Jr. He's the president of Man to Man Let's Talk. And he's also a husband and father and uh, just a very special friend and guest. Thanks for being here, Eugene. Thank you so much, Mr. Rick. It's been a long time since I've seen you, brother. <laughs> well, the, uh, we're, uh, uh, those that don't know, we do record these as, uh, in series, and uh, so he's being a little sarcastic there. But, but normally, he's not a sarcastic individual. He's uh, very mellow and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the, the why of faithful fathering here is uh, why is it important to be Christ-like versus worldly uh, in your home? The journey toward Christ-likeness is the challenge of a faithful father. So uh, discussing worldly, uh, you know, when Jesus said to the Jews, you belong to your father, the devil, hmm. the father of lies. Uh, you know what? What a powerful, powerful! It was a, a, a just a, a head-on collision between uh, Jesus and the world. Uh, how does that hit you, uh, Eugene, when you think about being faced with uh, with with God, the Son, telling you you're of the world? Come on! I mean, many people have this misconception of Jesus as as if he didn't challenge you know individuals and i mean he pretty much i mean when you read john chapter 8 and how it was a build-up he was giving them an opportunity you know uh, of understanding who he was and what he was there for but they kept on pressing him and he just told them listen i'm gonna tell you who you are i'm gonna tell you who your daddy really is mm -hmm. all right your daddy not moses your daddy is the devil <laughs> the father of lies right and so he put it in their face you know with that he told them the truth and the truth hurts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that that is what happens to us. And, and many times as men, when we hear the truth, then we continue, we, we find a way to act out to the person who delivered the truth when actually the real problem is within us. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. Mm -hmm. The problem was within them. Um, but they chose that when Jesus shared the truth with them to pick up some stones and to start throwing them at him, mm -hmm. you know, and Jesus was like the Matrix, I'm paraphrasing here, and, <laughs> you know, you couldn't touch him, you know, the whole, the whole while. Anyway, right? You couldn't touch him at all. But right. it, it's, it's pretty powerful to hear him uh, come at them that way. But only, uh, Jesus only knows one way, and that's to tell it like it is. And later on in uh, chapter 14 of John, uh, it says, The prince of this world is coming. Jesus said, The prince of this world is coming. He has no hold 
over me. Mm. So he's uh, very quickly laying out that, uh, that he is from above and the devil is from below. The prince of this world, of course, is the devil. Yes. What are some characteristics the devil works to instill in man today? Man, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You know, the things that the devil, what the devil does the best is mislead, distract, uh, entertain, manipulate, and deceive. That is what the devil does to move us away from the almighty God, our power source. Mm -hmm. And I look at it as, as far as a spiritual pedophile where he do all those things to abuse us spiritually. Mm -hmm. And just like any pedophile or any person that's looking to do harm to someone, you can't just come straight out and put all your, lay all your cards on the table. It's subtle. And what happens today is we see it in TV, on the radio, social media, in our books, and the people that we hang around. Mm. Subtle, mm -hmm. because we get comfortable with the TV shows. We get comfortable with the music, the lyrics. We hear the, we hear the, the instruments, but we don't listen to the lyrics, but it's subliminal, and it mm -hmm. seeps into our spirit. We, we make compromises for the people that we hang around with. You know, because they have connections or they're popular. And, and we, we say, well, I can hang around them for a little bit longer. I, I can deal with all the other stuff. But it's subtle how it seeps into our spirit. It's okay for us to read those books that are ungodly and private because no one is holding us accountable. Or the times that we're scrolling and we're looking at videos, we're reading posts that mean us no well. It is very subtle. And that's what the devil does in seeping into our spirit that will lead us to make more ungodly decisions than decisions that will please the almighty God. And that's what this, that's what Satan does is the power of distraction. Absolutely. I always call it, uh, in the corporate world, I called it busyness. Yes, sir. You know, where busy, uh, you know, busy stands for is being under Satan's yoke. So absolutely, we put in long hours, we're traveling, we take in the wrong kind of entertainment, we get distracted, and he takes our eyes off the, off the prize, off, yes. the, off the author and perfecter of our faith, yes. and uh, it catches us up in there. Uh, what, are, what do you think, are some, what the, uh, if there were two or three primary distractions of the way the devil takes a man out today, how would, what would you say those are? Work. Mm -hmm. would be one of them. Mm -hmm. Women mm -hmm. would be another. And entertainment. Mm -hmm. And by way of uh, vacations, uh, football, basketball, baseball games, uh, spending time away to um, not empower ourselves to be better humans, to be better men, uh, but to do what we want to do mm -hmm. and not what God wants us to do. So we will bury ourselves in work and work in, you know, uh, the average human in the, in the States, I believe, works an average of 42 hours a week. That's on an average. So you have people who are working more hours than that um, in, a, in a weekly basis. And, and we'll hide behind that and say, well, I have to be a provider mm -hmm. for my family, mm -hmm. knowing that tangible providing is one thing. But most importantly, we need to provide the spiritual then from a woman perspective, how uh, we are glorified to be with more than one woman. 
you know, and we put ourselves in a position where we're making more money, we have more possessions um, to get that attention that will certify us as being a man, that the women like this, and so this is what I'm going to do. And then, of course, you have your entertainment, and that can come in all different forms and shapes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if it's not empowering us, and if it's not getting us closer to God, all those things are ways or are, are key factors in us not being who God has created us to be and has taken us away from uh, our ultimate power source, which is him. Right, and it's Matthew 11 where Jesus gives us that option. He says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Uh, how, how do you see Jesus uh, pulling us back from all that distraction? Yeah, we, we have to recognize that our plan if it's not in sync with his plan, it doesn't matter. Mm. And so when we do what we want to do, eventually we're going to fall and, and, and we're going to bust our face and it's going to hurt and that's going to humble us. Mm. Uh, when we do what we do, we exalt ourselves. Mm. And the Bible is clear when it said those who exalt themselves will be humbled mm -hmm. and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so that's how God brings us back because that's what he did with Moses. He mm. humbled him even though that was his friend. Mm -hmm. He humbled him. You still not going going to the promised land because you were disobedient to him. He humbled David. You know when David made the decisions that he did, and the sword never left his house. He humbled Samson, uh, even though Samson was strong in what he did. But he humbled them when he disclosed where his strength came from. So and he humbled Saul before he became Paul, as he persecuted the church. And he, he, you know, told him, you know, hey, he gave him an option. You can either worship me or not. And, and Saul decided to worship God. So our plan doesn't mean anything if it's not in sync with God's plan. That's how he brings us back to him. We still have an option because Pharaoh had an option of letting uh, God's people go or not. And God said that, listen, told Moses, I'm going to harden his heart. His heart was already hardened. He made it worse, Right. Because Pharaoh wasn't trying to be selfless. He was focused on being selfish. And many fathers, unfortunately, are, fall, are going down that path of, of having a hardened heart. And they're, they're not experiencing or won't be able to experience what God has in store for them to be able to come back to the power source. So if we allow ourselves to be humbled, and it's okay for us to be humbled by God um, because he loves us, and he's showing us the way. If we allow him to do that, then we can see what he has in store for us. Yeah. One other example I'll put out there on the fathering front, of course, is Eli. Eli was humbled. Eli yes, was so busy in his in his going and judging yes. that uh, his sons did not walk in their way in his way. Right. And not only that, he knew what his sons were up to, and yeah. he failed to discipline them. Yes, sir. He and and so the consequences were he. He uh, learned of his son's passing, and then, of course, he passed. And uh, so that the whole idea of the devil, there's all kinds of ways the devil will get a wedge in a relationship through your work, through your entertainment, and, and through your lustful eyes. These types of things are all that uh, are, are the devil's best schemes. And uh, that's one of the key things is we have to be in tune 
I mean, the devil has our playbook. Yes, he does. And uh, we have to be in tune to, uh, you know, when we left that shield of faith to extinguish those arrows, we have to have it positioned in a way that we know what how those arrows are coming in because we know our weak points. It Amen. may be on the computer screen after 9 o'clock at night. Yes, sir. It might be uh, the long hours. It might be traveling going into that hotel room. All these things are, are vulnerability points that go back to your man-to-man initiative, you know, let's talk initiative, let's talk about what these points of vulnerability are yes and of course he calls us you know he says that we're to be like christ that's what romans eight twenty nine is all about to be conformed to the image of of god and, and the image of his son so jesus actually gives us let me throw these out there to you and see how we can build on them there but he gives us his i am statement <laughs> to tell us how we're to be like him you know he said uh, i am the bread of life I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. Uh, what's he? What's he introducing there? When he says he's the bread of life, what's uh, he's 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 throwing us uh, an eternal perspective to live into, huh? Absolutely. I mean, God is omni everything. He's omni audio. He's omni present. He's omnipotent, omniscient. You know, he is everything. Mm-hmm. So. The bread of life, talking about his word. I mean, the word was God. The word was with God, right? John 1 and 1, which is very important for us to understand that we can't go anywhere without God knowing. And he is and he should be our everything. And if we don't see him as our everything, then we're setting ourselves up for failure. And God did not create for us to fail. He created for all of us to excel Mm -hmm. in his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And then he says he's the light of the world, meaning that he's going to shed light into that darkness if you just open the door. Absolutely. And again, we have to have that selfless mentality to allow that light to come in. But many of us get comfortable in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And, And just like some insects and roaches or whatever you want to call it, you know, when that light comes on and those roaches, it's like, uh oh. We, we've been seeing. we got to scatter. <laughs> I've, got a, I've, I've got a test for you, dads, and I'd suggest you do this when nobody's really around because they'll look at you funny. But next time you're at home and it's a morning and the daylight outside, the light shining into the windows, open the closet door. Mm-hmm. Does darkness overtake the mm-hmm. light in the house mm-hmm. or does light shine in Come on the darkness? Down. So the point being that we have the opportunity yes. to let the light shine or we can close the door and stay in the dark. So that's what you're talking about there. Yeah, a lot of times, Mr. Rick, we, again, we get comfortable in our sin and in our darkness and we feel that we're not even worthy of the light. Right. We feel like God, we're not worthy of God and him bringing us back or whatever. And there ain't nobody but the devil talking. That's one of the ways that he creates doubt like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. He, sure. he placed doubt in, in their spirit, which led to fear, and that fear led to disobedience. And that's what will happen to us if we're in darkness, is that there's fear and darkness. Well, the Bible says that God did not give us the spirit of fear, but a power and a sound mind. So if God didn't give us that, that spirit of 
fear. And if God is not darkness, then who is? And that is how the devil operates. So we got to open up that door. Mm. We have to open up our spiritual door to let God in, to know that fathers, you are adequate, you are enough, you are worthy, you are God created. And he's just waiting for us to open up the door and to be in sync with his plan. And when we do that, we're going to be right where he wants us to be. His light always provides the clarity needed in the confusion that's in the darkness. Absolutely. Now, the third one is he's the gate for the sheep. Now, he's opening the gate to something. What's he opening the gate to? Opening the gate to his his way, Hmm. which is the only way. Matter of fact, if he's the gate, he's also the shepherd. Mm -hmm. And just like a shepherd, the sheep hears a shepherd's voice. A good shepherd that spends time with his sheep, that shepherd knows his sheep and what it's all about. And so the shepherd will not lead his sheep astray. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to open up the right gate for Mm -hmm. his sheep to go into, Mm -hmm. to where they're well taken care of. The Bible talks about that Uh, in 1 John. I believe it is chapter 4, verses 3 through 6, where it talks about those who are of the world will hear the world, and those who are of God will hear God. And that God is our shepherd, Mm -hmm. and he is the door. He is the gate. And when he opens it up, it's not for us to be in darkness. It's for us to walk into the light. It's a gate to relationship with the Father that was uh, absolutely. So we talked then. He says he is the good shepherd. You just referenced that. He's the shepherd that leads his sheep. Uh, sheep know his uh, voice because uh, because he always walks ahead of them. He, he, the, he is their, their shepherd. Uh, he says he's the uh, the resurrection and the life. Where where does that take you when uh, when you think of Jesus? He says, "I am the resurrection and the life." I, I, first thing that comes to mind is, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come to the Father except by me." That's Jesus speaking. Jesus is the resurrection, right? He he's the one who died for you and I, and without him, we wouldn't be where we are today. And he he goes on to say, "I'm the vine. Yes. My father is the gardener. Yes. And uh, you 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 abide by the vine, then you'll be fruitful. We're called to be fruity Christians, right? So uh, be be fruity. It's okay. It's, it's okay <laughs> as long as we the branches, right? We are the branches, and we have to make sure that we stay connected to the vine. And the vine is Jesus, and Jesus is connected to the vine dresser, which is the gardener, which is God. So we have to make sure that we don't be withered." And be cast in the fire because that's what's going to happen if we don't stay connected to Jesus, that we're going to wither away and then we'll be cast in the fire. And we definitely don't want to be there. So as the good shepherd, he gives us a voice to follow as a resurrection. He gives us that opportunity, that power that uh, he is the resurrected Christ and he is the vine. That's uh, so we. The, the first three I am statements kind of took us to a salvation, a knowing, and a, an opening of the door to the gate to the Father. The second three I am statements say we're talking about obedience here, mm-hmm. that we're to be in the vine. We're to, 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 to stay tight to his voice, stay yes. under his word. Yes. So there's a, a call to obedience because Jesus exemplified. He, he was obedient uh, personified, right? Absolutely. He obeyed his father all the way to the point of death, even death on the cross. Absolutely. So uh, his call to expect us to be obedient is just saying, hey, follow my example. Absolutely. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. But Paul <laughs> reminded us again in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, imitate me for I imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. 
And then finally, you already saw, said, you know, John 14, 6, 7 is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So that is a, is a call to a level of maturity yes, sir. in our understanding of who Christ was and what he calls us to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if we continue to walk within the light, we walk within the spirit, we can't go wrong. Mm. Because his light will lead us in the way that he have us to go. So Jesus gives us his I am statements uh, with full expectation that we'll be Christ-like. How practical? I mean, when, when a guy comes to you and says, hey, uh, uh, I want to be Christ-like, uh, or I am Christ-like, well, how, do, how is that? Is that possible? Uh, absolutely. We have to know the things that Christ did in order to be Christ-like. Now, many of us know what it is to be a man according to the world, you know, and, and that's a variety of things from how much money we make, how many women that we have, how many possessions we have, what kind of clothes we wear, do we go hunting, fishing, those things. Well, we have to know the characteristics of Jesus as well. And when we know those characteristics, like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22, then that, that helps us understand what Jesus is all about. And it's the opposite of the way that the world promotes us as men today. It's not rough, rugged, and violent, but is soft, subtle, and humble. Mm. Well said. That uh, that's quite a challenge for men that are trying to prove themselves men, right? right. When you when you have a, a man to man, that doesn't sound like the kind of thing that's going to stimulate the conversation you're looking for. Right. It it doesn't, and that's the thing that catches their attention when you say, "What is your definition of a man?" and and you give me more of aggressiveness rather than humbleness. Um, it catches their attention. I say, well, if, if I say, was was God uh, a womanizer? Was God aggressive when it came to uh, fighting, you know, men and, and proving themselves? Uh, was was God concerned about storing up his his treasures here on earth rather than in heaven? Uh, no, he wasn't. And I said, well, if, if he wasn't uh, doing that, and if you say a person like that is soft, then that's what you, you're talking about Jesus because Jesus wasn't that type of man. You know, he wasn't worried about the possessions here on earth. He was worried about his possessions in heaven. He wasn't worried about all the women that were drawn to him. He was only worried about one bride, and that was the church. Mm. Jesus didn't have to prove anything to anybody. He was just trying to please his father. And so if we look at it from the right perspective, then we will realize that Jesus stayed in his lane and he did everything that he could do for his father and not for those around him. Jesus was not a people pleaser. He was a father pleaser. Amen. That's uh, always pointing to the glory of his father. Absolutely. And that's a good lead in for the, uh, you know, as we wrap up this segment in this series, uh, I pray that uh, June has been a good month for you as, uh, as we reflect on this being Father's Day month, that we remember that, uh, you know, while Jesus gave us two commands to love the, our Father in heaven, our God, with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, he actually walked that fifth commandment to honor his father in everything that he did. Amen. So the way we honor and the way we set that standard in our uh, homes uh, to be more Christ-like than worldly is to embrace that journey, right? It is a journey. Uh, We we look at Jesus and say, I could never be like Jesus. Well, 
he didn't expect you to be immediately, but he did expect you to join him on the journey. In other words, embrace your salvation. You know, if you have not given your your uh, your your life to Christ, then find someone to talk to and uh, and and follow through to to understand that he went to the cross for you. He walked out of that grave for you. He returned to the Father in the power of the resurrected Christ and the ascended Christ with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We can kick some sin tail. That's right. right. And and so we want to embrace that salvation to the full. And as we've done that, then the journey begins into the obedience to emulate Christ, to understand that we can rebuke the devil's schemes. We don't have to take that second look at that young lady, the scantily clad. We don't have to be distracted by six hours of football on Sunday or uh, a summer full of baseball, which in themselves are not bad. Enjoy your sports. Absolutely. But don't let it be your God. Amen. And then finally, we're to mature in relationship with him in a way that honors him, that glorifies him, that points to him, that leads others to him, especially our children. Because as dads, we're called to raise a godly generation. Amen. So as we wrap this up to Christ-likeness versus worldly, uh, Eugene, you got any other nuggets that you've given us a bunch, but any other nuggets <laughs> that you want to share with us? Well, just know that you are worthy, you are enough, you are adequate, and you are God-created. And so go ahead and discover your purpose uh, on your journey. And doesn't matter what anybody else tell you. The only thing that matters is what God says. And as long as you make God proud, uh, you'll be right where you need to be. So focus on making him proud rather than making others proud. So that means to be more Christ-like today than yesterday, more Christ-like tomorrow than today. Yes, sir. And dads, that's the dad you're called to be, and that's the dad the next generation needs to see. Thank you so much, Eugene. It's a blessing to have you here. God bless. God bless. Thank you so much. Take care.